Welcome to the Idea Table Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Nassipak. Operating with peace as a leader, or for that point, a human being, can be difficult when faced with conflict. In conflict, individuals will often resort to react in one of two ways, flight or fight. Most will take flight because we don't want to deal with the conflict at hand, which causes more conflict down the road. For those that fight, the aggression level often rises and can cause more conflict to the present situation or future situations. Our current environment is pressured with conflict that is brought about by internal and external forces. As leaders, the importance of working through conflict as a peacemaker is one way of leading with peace. When leading with peace and acting as a peacemaker, a leader will need to get out of their own shoes, so to speak, and try to view the situation from another individual's perspective. However, this takes a lot of work. It's not easy, but it provides a major foundational part of your leadership if you are able to lead with peace. As I stated in the previous podcast, we are in the season of Advent in which we prepare to celebrate the birth of the Christ child, Jesus. There are four Sundays that make up Advent, and they focus on the four themes of hope, peace, joy, and faith. As a leader, these are also important themes for us to focus on when working with our teams. We continue the series, Leading With, on the subject of peace. I invite you to pull up a chair and join Kathy Bartholomew and myself for this discussion at the Idea Table. Welcome to the Idea Table. We continue our series on Leading With as we discuss peace and specifically peacemaking. And I was able to get a hold of um, a former um, instructor of mine from graduate school, but also a friend of many years. I'm just going to say many. How does, how does that sound so we don't age, our, age ourselves too much here? Um, but um, I invited and she accepted Kathy Bartholomew is with me. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Kathy and, and, and to be very open with you. We've known each other. 30 years, I think it goes back to when we were both in undergrad. Um, I roomed with her brother-in-laws and even her husband. I think we, for a little bit, we got together. But anyways, so Kathy is an academic advisor. She's an educator. She's a lover of the written word. She's a collector of things mystical even. Might have to delve into that a little bit. But um, she currently works at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Hard job, hard place have to be at SLO if you've ever been up there. Um, she's an academic advisor um, in the AG Engineering and Management programs, their majors, and then also uh, food service and nutrition programs. Um, in addition to all those things, she's also assisting her husband, David, who I've known, um, as they plant a new Anglican church called Central Coast Anglican Church of St. Columba. So if you want more information about that, we can point you in that direction as well. David and Kathy have four children, um, three grown and one, the youngest who's getting her permit. Is that what I understand? She's, yes. she's getting, her, getting her permit. And, Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, and one grandchild. So I welcome Kathy. Welcome to the idea table. Thanks. I'm honored to be here. This is fun. Yes. Yeah, so um, Kathy, and the reason I asked Kathy is um, even though, uh, she, she was an instructor. She and her um, husband kind of, she led it, he uh, assisted, taught our quote in the graduate program, conflict management. 
And if you're a graduate um, student or gone through graduate studies or even in leadership, um, conflict management always comes up. And it's something that people often run from. Um, you know, we, 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 we don't want to deal with it. But the perspective that Kathy and David taught, um, I took as gold and kind of how I look at it is from a peacemaker perspective. So I wanted to talk to, um, it's a lot of rambling on my part, but it's, I wanted to just have Kathy talk about being a peacemaker. How do you lead with peace? How do you go about that every day? And I just want to kind of kick it off with, you know, people think peace, peacemaking, so there must be conflict. So is conflict good or bad? Is there a difference? So <laughs> let's just throw that just to start off with. Yeah. So the answer to that is yes. Okay, poor question on my behalf there. <laughs> no, it's a good question. Um, it, it can be good or bad. Um, we know this. Uh, mm-hmm. the conflict, and we talked about this uh, in class, is, is a neutral word like diet or grammar. Um, it's a tool. There are all kinds of conflict. We see this. Um, but healthy conflict done well um, with people or organizations that you're invested in can definitely be good uh, mm-hmm. as long as you, uh, you, you hone your tools in that and you don't just react, but you have a plan. Um, knowing A, that conflict will happen and uh, uh, B, if you, if you plan and you, have, uh, you educate yourself and you become self-aware, um, it can actually be a good thing and yield yields something good. So the answer is conflict, good or bad, is yes. <laughs> yes. No, and I think that's right. And sometimes as when we're trying to lead with peace, this is my thought, is that um, we get scared of conflict and don't realize that it can be beneficial um, um, if it looks as, as the Bible says, sharp at each other, you know, but, um, you know, or if it's bad, you know how to, how to deal with it. So um, what I want to kind of then add on to that is, how do you, as a leader, um, get to this attitude of being a peacemaker or, or of leading in peace? How do you uh, do that? What are some of the, I don't want to say skills and tools because then it sounds gimmicky, but how do you get to that place where your attitude is, hey, um, w- when conflict comes or when we have to lead people in times of difficulty, it's not unnatural, but it's just something that is a part of us. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um you know, just really quickly with conflicts, it's, my husband always says that, that Christianity, Christ, is, is very confrontational. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, is, he is the peacemaker, but he also doesn't leave us as we are. Mm-hmm. It does, it's not in our best interest uh, to not confront some of the things that, that require conflict to, to achieve. And so... Um, but in terms of leading with peace, um, I would say that that we're all leaders. And of course, we learned this. We are both in the same program, leadership and organizational studies. We're all leaders. Um, there isn't a, it's not just a, as you know, just a role that you have or something on your desk, mm-hmm. depending on how we lead out by example. And so um, asking the question, how do I lead with an attitude of peace? I think it goes back to, to it starts within. It starts within, it starts within by, by becoming self-aware, by knowing my belovedness mm. and knowing my, my infinite value and worth. And that's, 
that's not an ego thing. That's that's just a reality in my ancient tradition and my ancient mm-hmm. system is that that we are made in the image of God. We are made of God. And so that's actually a very humbling idea. Mm-hmm. And it, it brings to mind stewardship and and you know um and, wow. and treating ourselves in such a way that that we're fair with ourselves. So I, I really believe you cannot sanction or mandate peace without mm-hmm. until you really truly know peace within. And that's a lifelong struggle. That's not that's not um something that you can have a four-point agenda and take into a meeting, right? That's that is a daily contemplative practice and it takes years to master that. Um, but but then the next thing is the next ripple out, right? Then yeah. people those closest to you whom you intersect organically every day your family your your spouse your children your co-workers um people that that you don't need to impress right that yeah. you don't do the whole impression management that 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 see you at your worst and your best and and seeing them as inherently valuable and seeing the currency of their value outside of what they can do for you and outside mm. of what people see you doing with yeah. and to them right and then it ripples outward like a pond, right? Then, then it goes into your organization and into your community and into your, your world, your larger world. So um, I think people often say, I, I want to do more for peace. Well, then go within, go within yourself first. Um, because if that's not true, nothing else matters, you know? So. Um, you know, you hit something that I've been in discussion with colleagues about during this whole COVID thing. Um, We've had many, um, it, it's not about peace, it's about this inner p- inner um, understanding of ourselves. I think it's so important that um, as leaders, uh, we've been talking that some of us have just seemed like, I am so tired. Like I'm more tired this year than I was last year at this time. And what we've realized just coming about is that we've had to operate in such a different fashion in a more optimistic and more and and, and to be truthful, more peaceful ways in which to give support to our teams. And this whole, whole thought that came like, what are we doing for ourselves? And I don't mean that as selfish, but what are we doing to do? I think you brought up a really good point there, Kathy, that it it does look. So you said uh, uh, contemplative, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I heard the word in my head, couldn't say it in my mouth there for a second, but what are some practices you do? I know we both come from faith backgrounds, so I know there's some faith things, but what are some other, I don't want, again, I don't like, this is not gimmicky and people who listen know it's not gimmicky. These are things we, I know you do. So what are some things you try to do as you practice to get mm-hmm. to that place of inner peace, for like inner peace to that understanding of being that God image. So then you can be peaceful to your family than peaceful to those around so yeah that's a really good question um i think it starts with with what what are the things that form me first thing in my day right those are the things we do first in our day are the things that form us Mm -hmm. um and so uh my husband and i have have really leaned into the contemplative authors and Mm -hmm. And the the wisdom traditions of all different faiths, and um, and tried to glean from that that common Christ, right? That common reality of the fact that we are and all things created are made of God, and and the more that we can realize that in our times of contemplation and who we're reading, the more we are 
we have our fingers on the pulse of the world. And it's a strange irony because it's it's a going inward to be available outward. Oh. It seems it seems odd, right? It seems like you should be out there and there's yeah. nothing with activism and there's nothing wrong. But if it's not coming from a place first of, of inner peace, it, it can do damage, right? Just like mm. conflict can do damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so for us it it's simple. We we I I have a book that I read almost every morning. Um called The Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. And it's a series of quotes and reflections from a variety variety of wisdom traditions and mystics and contemporaries mm-hmm. from Thomas Merton to Thick Not Han. I, I always call him Thick Not Thin because I can never remember his name. But it's <laughs> <thick not. laughs> and many others, you know, that um, that aren't just Christian, but they, they are embracing ancient Christian truth. Mm-hmm. And... and Sitting with those, we call it staring at the wall time. Dave calls it staring at the wall time because it's really for us a kind of Lectio Divina. It's it's very short words that are very packed with wisdom. And you can't read them quickly. You have to stop and you have to stare at the wall. And that's our word for Lectio Divina is staring at the wall because, and then sometimes we read it again. And then we'll go back and we'll, we'll, um, we'll reflect. And... It's just amazing to me that once you start this practice of really being intentional about contemplation and seeking wisdom from from those prophetic, artistic, poetic voices, right, Mm -hmm. in our world, um, the more you're connected to other people Mm. that also um, experiencing uh, different ideas and themes. And, you know, even, even you're calling me, it's just right at this time when um, we're having these conversations about what is peace? What does it look like? What does it look like in our, within ourselves, within our family, within our world? So to, you know, that, that kind of connection just shows that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, so I would say that daily practice of, of really sitting before we do anything, before I turn on my computer to, to see what my students need or, you know, um, I, that, that is, that is sacred space, and it makes a difference in your whole attitude during the day. It does, it does form you over time. Mm-hmm. So I crave it, and I miss it when we can't have it for whatever reason. <laughs> so I don't know if that answered your question or. Yeah, yes, it, yes, it did. So, <laughs> so you know, Kathy, as you're saying this, um, there are two things that I want to kind of um, piggyback off of. But the first one was when you're talking about. Um, this waiting type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're reading, we're doing devotion again, for those out there, you know, I'm a part of faith and we're reading Henry Nouwen's, his little Advent devotional. I'm mm-hmm. holding it up to the camera that, um, so Kathy can see you out there, probably yeah. can't see it, but uh, <laughs> it's called Living in Hope. But today's was um, called Fear Frequently Leads Us to Strike First. And what was interesting in this was, um, I'm just going to read it. Um, It's real short, but um, I think it plays into it. I just want to talk about this as far as how does this play with peace? Because I think it Mm. really does. It says, we consider waiting a waste of time, perhaps because our culture is always saying, get going, do something so Mm. you're able to make a difference. Don't just sit there and wait. Waiting seems a dry desert between where we are and where we want to be. We do not enjoy such a place. We want to move out of it and do something worthwhile. Waiting 
is even more difficult because we are so fearful, not just as individuals, but as whole communities and nations. Fear explains why it's so hard to wait and how tempting it is to act. That is the root of a, quote, first strike approach to others. Those who live in a world of fear are more likely to make aggressive, hostile, hostile, destructive responses than people who are not so frightened. The more afraid we are, the harder waiting becomes. And I thought, uh, I, my wife and I were <laughs> read this thing, and as you were talking, it kind of rang up. It's like, how often are we trying to go, go, go <laughs> that we don't sit and wait? I thought that was such a, a poignant point. As yes. a leader, how hard is it for you to sit mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. wait and be quiet? And as David says, look at the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. how many how many leaders like, hey, I, I I do meditation. I get on the treadmill and then I read something mm-hmm. while I'm doing. Well, no, no, no. That's <laughs> you're just yes. checking stuff off. So how did you get yourself to a place? Because I think this is very important. Um, right. I, I didn't even know that we were to go this way, but it is. I think this is very important as far as how we become leading with peace. So how did you get into that practice? Yeah. Well, and again, we have not arrived. (laughs) We are, we're still in process, but, um, but one of the things that, that I'm discovering is that fear um, it's, it's on my Facebook profile when it says about you, I have, I have these words that the the opposite of love is fear. Mm -hmm. Fear drives us to sin. Fear drives us to um, strike back, like you said in the uh, in the, the quote that you read. It causes us to other. It causes us to believe that that there's not enough to go around. It causes us to imagine that the evil is out there and not within us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and the evil is fear. And so we see it right now in our nation um, and and all around the world is that we are, are being driven by fear. And <clears throat> in terms of conflict, um, I think the first thing we want to do is we want to rob someone of their humanity. Oh, yeah. Problems, right? That they are no longer Joe, they're Joe the bad guy. You know, whatever the bad guy is to you, whatever attribution you have, that's a bad guy. It could be a political tag. It could be a, a doctrinal tag. Um, and now we have, um, we, it's reductivism, right? We've reduced mm-hmm. Joe down now, this infinite creature with, with multiple giftings and made in the image of God, made of God. Um, he is now, you know, uh, Joe the fork up, right? <laughs> Whatever you want to yeah. I don't know what audiences hear this. So I mean, yeah, it's all over, but they, they're good with that, you know, but you know, and if you have been yourself, that person, you know, how much damage that does mm-hmm. it, it is. And it's, it's an idea. It's a thought. It isn't nothing even physically needs to happen to Joe, but he can feel it permeates his whole being with that collective um, body of people around him is looking at him through the lens of fear. Mm-hmm. And when, him and wanting to reduce him down to what they've told themselves is his greatest mistake or her greatest mistake. It can yeah. be. Either. And so I, I think that um, that is the danger of fear. And also it's, it's that temptation that if we have another, we feel good about ourselves. We are on, the, we are in the A team. We are in the, 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 the welcomed group, 
right? And so it's a way to make us feel like we're on the good side of whatever boundary we've created. And, and, then, and then Jung calls it the narcissism of minor differences, right? Mm-hmm. Then, well, I'm just a little bit better because I'm Anglican, not Episcopalian or, or whatever it is that, yes. that, that we continue to focus on to make ourselves be of value and worth because we don't really believe that we're of value and worth. And no. so engage in these artificial constructs, this narcissism of minor differences that makes me just a little bit better than you. And I'm the elder brother. And I've been the one that does A, B, and C while you've been off, you know, sowing your wild oats. And, and so we, we benefit from that. There's a currency in that. And it's a smaller currency than the currency of peace. It's a smaller currency than the currency of unconditional love. But because we're afraid, don't really believe don't really believe it. And we go to all of these artificial um, ideas of, of valuing ourselves, of making ourselves worth something. And it does damage. It does damage. And it requires doing damage because I have to hoist myself by stepping on you. And we're seeing it in our world right now. And then what, what happens is that how do you, how do you lead? I mean, it comes out that then you're unable to lead with peace or be a peacemaker because you're you're so unsure of yourself, Absolutely. you know, and who you are that Absolutely. you don't want to deal with conflict. I'm going to yes. say personally is when I'm not being honest with myself or being um, open to myself or know who I am. When conflict arises, I don't want to deal with it because then I might have to deal with something that's in me that I don't like. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It, and I think you've, you've hit it right in the head. I, I said this on on my last pat, podcast coming from the faith perspective, that'll preach there lady. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'll <laughs> preach what you've been saying, but I think you're, it's so right. Is that um, we often listen to podcasts or watch uh, conferences or uh, workshops or read books as leaders, because we weren't like, hey, what's what's the things we need to do? And I'm just sitting here thinking as we're talking about peace, it begins with what are you doing for yourself to be real with yourself? What are you real? Do you really are you honest with yourself? I mean, this could be leading in honest leading in honesty for peace. But I think Absolutely. you've hit it hit yeah. on the head. So it's it, I mean, you know, in the Bible. Jesus talks about going into your your uh, your room and closing the door. I really believe that's the kingdom within us. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that means a physical room. I remember at APU in, in the 80s, they had prayer closets. They had yes. these rooms. That you, I think they still do. Uh-huh. And wrong with that. But but I really think we've misunderstood that that verse because it feels very Eastern. And we forget that Christianity is an Eastern religion. Yeah. Um, but it feels very Eastern to say, contemplate and meditate. But what you're really doing is you're going to the kingdom within yourself. And you are, you are bowing at that altar that, that Christ is within us. And I think when we really believe that um, and we spend time doing that, it is not, um, it's not hippy-dippy New Age stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that that is what equips us when we are out in the world. And we do have to make those quick decisions. And someone says, wow, how, how did you make that decision so quickly? The answer is, I've been making that decision every day for 20 minutes, every morning for 10, 10 years. Right? Yeah. That, 
that decision has been made because you've been formed by trusting that the Christ within. And when we fail to do that, when we fail to believe that he equips us, we start bowing to man and man's ideas and fear and all of those things. So it's really, um, it's really a, a way to exercise those, those muscles spiritually so that you're equipped when you do have to make decisions outwardly. And um, that's where wisdom comes from is by spending time in, in with the wisdom teachers, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah. I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, it's, in essence, even thinking to uh, Steve Jobs, who didn't come from a Christian perspective, but came from a, a Eastern philosophy, even mm -hmm. in the, all of his <laughs> ranting and ravings that he did and pushed people to the brink of quitting, he right. still had some sort of actual realization about himself to get to that point in which, Center, he, yeah. Yeah, in which then he could work from a place of peace. And I think it's very... It, very important, especially in today's society, is mm -hmm. um, I think uh, when we talk about peace and look at what's going on, as a leader, um, I think, I want to know your opinion on this, but I think we have to come from a place of being willing to understand and listen. Because I think why we don't have peace right now is people don't want to listen to each other. And it used to be like, I don't agree with you, but okay. Now it's like, I don't agree with you. So you must be the devil. You must be the worst person in the world. So how do you get to that place as a leader <laughs> and engage in that? Yeah. Yeah. I hate to keep banging on the same drum, but I think again, keep banging, keep banging. <laughs> if you, if you are, if you are spending that time, you are listening to yourself. And if you know anything about conflict, we have internal conflict, right? Oh, yeah. We have our own, and 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 so it it requires us first to forgive ourselves, right? It requires us to bring honestly the things that we have done and continue to do to the table, and and look at them honestly, and then know that unconditional love, know that that place of, um, of acceptance mm. with ourselves, and. And then we have something now to, to go out with that we're armed with, right? Um, in, in our families, in our communities, in the larger world, because we've experienced it, right? We've experienced the, the forgiveness and the grace of God, which is, by the way, a scandalous thing. It's scandalous and it is not uh, natural. It is mm -hmm. supernatural and it requires wisdom and contemplation to really grasp it, right? Mm -hmm. You know that. Once you know it, you can't unknow it, right? And you want everyone to know it. And to me, that is the good news, is this, this connection we have to everyone through unconditional love. Mm -hmm. I'm not even talking just people in our faith tradition. I'm talking all humanity, all, mm -hmm. all culture. You know, if you read what we read as Anglicans every Sunday, the verse in John, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was mm -hmm. Christ, Christ, not Jesus, because because we all know that Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> Christ has existed from the beginning, before Christianity, before Judaism, before any of the, the religious traditions. And it says in that verse, he's in everything. He's mm -hmm. everything. That means all everything that has been made is made of Christ. And when you think about that, that's good news, Jim. Mm. That's yeah. good news because that means there is no other. That means all created beings, every leaf, every plant, and not to be a, a, a you know person that that is a pantheist, but but that it's all 
made of God. We're connected. We're all connected. And that's the good news. And yet so many religious institutions throughout time have taken this and harnessed it by othering and made it antichrist. They've made it antichrist. And so when we really get that, we can give ourselves away in a way that is dynamic, but also scandalous, right? Yeah. All the rules. I mean, Jesus broke all the rules. Yeah. So I don't know if I wandered off topic, but... (laughs) I want, Hey, you wandered. I just kept following. I'm like, this is good. That, that's good. That's good. For those out there, if you remember what my question was, please email me at the idea table at gmail.com or I'll just re-listen to it and come back. No, but those are, that's all important because you're right. It's this, it's this, for lack of a better word, if in leaders, we always are talking about strategic planning for our organization and our teams. Are you strategically planning on how you're going to go out and operate peacefully? Are you taking the time, like you said, Mm -hmm. to contemplate, to go through, to do a self-evaluation of, you know, give down to brass tacks, the the self-evaluation. So, you know, when you go out there, you're going out out in a mindset of um, peace. And I have to tell you, I've, I've worked, I've been working on this for two or three years. And I find when conflict comes up or when something happens, I'm not all like up in people's business all of a sudden. I'm like, okay, let's figure out let, let's figure out how to do this. Or yes. and I can tell people that don't operate in peace, they're like flying off the handle or they get mad. I'm like, why why is this such a big deal? You yes. know, let's just kind of work through this. So I want to kind of wrap it up here, but one of the things I wanted to wrap up with is what advice I we've talked about it. So don't worry if you're repeating yourself, but what advice would you give to young leaders or young people out there? as they begin leading and understand how to work and operate in peace. Mm. That's really good. I, I, I think it's, I think it's true. If you're a Christian or not a Christian mm-hmm. is know your own inherent value and belovedness, mm. then know the inherent value and belovedness of all creatures. I know that sounds, again, it might sound hippy dippy, but, but if you start with a premise as a leader that your people are of value, infinite value, you're going to have different conversations with them. Yeah. If you saw that person, like C.S. Lewis says, if you saw that person as God sees them, you'd be tempted to bow down and worship, right? Mm -hmm. If you really believe that, it starts with knowing that about yourself, right? Yeah. If you really believe that about yourself, you're going to believe that about others, and it is going to inform the way you lead. Mm -hmm. And that means that when you go into conflict, you're giving that person the benefit of the doubt. You're giving that person, not that that person cannot make mistakes. Correct. Yes. You'd rather be leaded and led and corrected by a person who believes in your infinite value and, and gives you the benefit of doubt rather than a person who's got their arms crossed, tapping, waiting to see if you're going to make a mistake. Oh, yeah. You know the difference between we've learned management X yeah. and management Y from Dr. Abigail, right? In, in her book, she, yeah. her book really probably formed both of us, the, uh-huh. uh, the managing conflict through communication. But you, you lead as a peacemaker. That means you lead giving your people the benefit of the doubt. And then when there's mistakes made, you approach it as a systems theorist, not as a, a personal attack. You figure yeah. How you can often it's the systems that need to be changed or the communication systems that need to be changed. And you start approaching those things as needing correction, not a person's infinite value and worth. And there's conversations and communications 
that you can learn that teach you how to do that. But yeah. you have to start with the premise of that person's value, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. That is awesome. And, you know, it almost draws this full circle back to is conflict good or bad? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it leads yes. us right back to that because when you look at people with value, and you come from a place of peace and a peacemaker, then the conflict isn't bad. It's just an opportunity to help them grow and help you grow or to help an organization grow because, like you said, processes might be out of whack and you yes. need to figure out how they do that. And maybe the mistake, I'm, and I'm not, but, but the mistake that person made was a mistake they made because the processes were bad. And if you come from a place of, uh, where you know who you are, where you value yourself and you value your team and you come from a place that we work through conflict and peace, you're able to say, yeah, you're right. That process that we put together is crap. We, right. we, it, you, 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 there was a mistake made by, by you, but that mistake showed where our issue is. Yes, and and yes. now you come back as opposed to, like you're saying, people who, who I've seen, even I won't say where I work, but you know, work, they, they're always looking like, Oh, did that go wrong? Or what's this? And I'm like, it's not a, it's not a yes. pointing finger type thing. So right. um, no, I agree. That, that's, that, that, that's good. That's, 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 that'll preach. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of <laughs> like in this mindset, like, okay, so we're going to be back next week for part two of this discussion on this now, <laughs> but hey, I just want to wrap it up. Um, I always ask, cause I think this is a vital uh, part of it. What are you reading currently? It doesn't have to be about conflict, but what, or, what yeah. are you reading and why are you reading it? Yeah. So right now I'm reading, um, I've been reading and it's a slow read because it's like Lectio Divina, but it's this book, uh, The Universal Christ by Ooh. Richard Rohr. Uh-huh. And um, I have to confess to you, terrified to read this book at first because I just thought universalism and being a, a good evangelical my whole life, that terrifies me. But that's where I've learned a lot of the, um, the concepts about Christ has always been. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he, everyone is made of, of God. And it's changed the way I look at people. I don't think that I'm trying to um, other people as much in my faith journey, reading that book. Um, also read Rachel Held Evans, Faith Unraveled. That mm. was changing for me. Um, all things Brene Brown, I read. Um, I told you earlier about Mark Nepo. Yeah. A good book by Bishop Ken Myers uh, in, in the Anglican Church. Um, He's kind of our adopted bishop. He's down in Texas, mm-hmm. but he's written a book called Salvation and How We Got It Wrong. Mm. Back to some of our, our anti-Christ salvation concepts that the yeah. early church fathers did not believe. Correct. Oh, um, yeah. John, John Philip Newell's The Rebirthing of God, um, mm-hmm. Christianity's Struggle for New Beginnings. Yeah. Um, and then my fiction book, go-to book is uh, Patrick Rothfuss, because <laughs> you got to have fiction. Yes. And, uh, the name of the wind and the wise man's fear. Those are some of the books that I that I have. I'm not reading them all at once, but I I tend to go in and out of books all the time. And you probably do too. When yes, you're yeah, looking for. I, I, yeah. I love. I think you just proved you're you're a lover of written um, of the written word right oh, there. Yes. You just yeah. Very much a consumer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it. You know, and to be honest, for some people out there, you know, I've I've slowly started talking more about my faith um, foundation that I have because I think it's important to know that, especially leading and leading with peace. If you don't have a faith foundation, it's going to be very very difficult because you don't have anywhere to turn to, and if you rely on yourself. So you know, we both come faith 
uh, uh, faith tradition of Christianity, you know, uh, th- that's where we come from. But you have to find some f- sort of faith foundation because yes. you cannot do it on yourself. And if you've, if you've been in leadership and you've studied leadership, you know, you can't lead by yourself either. So when it comes to those personal in, insight things, um, Absolutely. that's why it's so important. So Kathy, I, I very much appreciate you coming and bringing that perspective. I, I think that was outstanding and uh, yeah. thank you for your time and everything. So, yeah, thanks for, for inviting me. And this has been really fun. I'd love to do this anytime. This yeah. Is- we will get you back on. Um, we'll, we'll try to get out of conflict. <laughs> we'll do something else, you know, a little bit. Yeah. We'll, we'll do something fun, but Hey, um, again, thanks Kathy. And we will be right back after this. I want to thank you for joining us today at the Idea Table podcast. If you like this podcast, please share it with a colleague, friend, or someone you know who could benefit from it. Additionally, please leave a comment or contact us at theideatable at gmail.com. It is interesting to see that when we look to lead with peace, the beginning steps involve us as leaders taking an inward look at ourselves and begin to take an emotional inventory. This is often hard as a leader because we might not want to deal with issues that we have been burying away for many months, years, and maybe decades. As someone that has buried much, I can tell you how liberating it is to move into a freer place of leadership when I came to terms with some of my own emotional issues. So take some time during this Advent and Christmas season to think about leading with peace and taking an emotional inventory of yourself. This will be beneficial for you, your family and friends, and as a leader, your team. So until next time, I invite you to join me at the idea table. And as always, there will be a seat for you.